I've just about had enough of you. I think you'll be able to respect a husband who's probably pulled the scientific boner of all time. In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Irony, one of the funniest forms of humor. I have made a woman. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. Think all is never wrong. Never Hello, and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt Brown. Hello, and Stephen Murray. Hello. Stephen, we are in the middle of season six. The idea of the show is to investigate and examine all the films with robots in that that come in between two pivotal films. One is Metropolis in 1927, and one is Star Wars in 1977. And we have examined lots of films so far, and we're more than halfway through the time period. And yeah, I feel like we are about to embark on something of a low point. Well, you know, it is called 50 Years of Shit Robots. Did you really not expect to go and head dive into some shit? I know. We are We are really, we are sort of like wallowing in it this week, I, I think. I, well, you I, might be surprised. I might be surprised. <laughs> but certainly on first glance, the robot in today's offerings is, I mean, about, about as shit as you can get, I think. The animation is pretty poor. It's pretty bad, isn't it? So we're talking about two Japanese TV shows. At least I think they're two Japanese TV shows. One called Tetsujin 28, Go! And one called Gigantor. Uh, Tetsujin 28, Go! is from 1963, and Gigantor is from 1964. But to be honest, I have to say I have found everything about watching these these two shows incredibly confusing. So in 1963, Tetsujin 28 Go! appeared on Japanese television. And it didn't take long for this to be sold to America and... Redubbed as Gigantor. Right, okay. Yeah. So it's so both series are very similar when, when I was watching them. And I yes. couldn't fathom out the why there were why there were essentially two series that are the same, but but Gigantor is was made or redubbed for America. Yeah, but they've they've cut out the whole dead father bit. Right. Yes. So because they don't shy away from anything like that in Japan. Um, and when we saw an Astro Boy and Ape Man, they begin incredibly sombre with deaths. Yes. And and that is pretty sombre for America. They just want action. So episode one that we watched of Tetsujin 28 Go uh, is called Birth. But ironically, it starts with a death, <laughs> which is the de- the death of Satoru's father satoru is a little boy and it's really sad that first bit isn't it yeah it's very sad by a hospital bed his dad's dying and he's getting upset and his dad sort of tells him off for being being upset i'll watch you grow up from heaven yeah and then he dies and as he dies a shooting star flies across the heavens above the hospital and uh it felt very like those other two Japanese series that we've already uh, talked about, Astro Boy and Ape Man. I'm trying to think how how long ago Astro Boy and Ape Man were. The year before. Were they? 63? Yeah. Okay. Um, but if, if anything, 
I'd say the animation in, in Tetsuchin 28 Go is even worse than it was in Astro Boy. Yeah, it kind of matches 8-Man. And it also matches 8-Man in, in the kind of the action and the look of the villains. In fact, it's quite a, a strange episode, quite a confusing episode, I think, because you've essentially, you've got... Uh, so once uh, Shatoro's father's died, then sort of like a friend of his dad's shows him... It's his uncle. His uncle, is it? He shows him the, the robot that they were working on, um, that they were working on during the war when they were they were told to come up with a program of robotic soldiers. But there were sort of essentially there's two sets of villains in this opening episode, aren't there? There's yeah. There's someone who's who's got a, a, a pillowcase on his head. His is it his pillowcase or is it his head? I think because his, his mouth and his eyes are blended in. It is very weird. There's <laughs> yeah. no explanation of why he's there. No, because well, there is the... though, isn't it? Because he, he is an he's a former assistant, an evil assistant who they fired, um, and who was the only one who could control a previous robot Tetsuchin 27 27 <laughs> <laughs> so but I to be honest I didn't get as far into the episode um to find out exactly who he was but I'm assuming that's who he was but then there's another group of of baddies who are all like wearing masks all the time who are sort of keystone cops like aren't they yeah they claim that there's some form of international organization that collect weapons yeah px Yes. And and to be honest, I got as far as sort of about 10 minutes in and then I, I just switched off because I just, I felt I'd seen enough. I'd sort of seen the robot and I'd seen episode two as well because I accidentally watched a bit of that. Yes, I watched a full episode, a second episode from Gigantor, which <laughs> seems to carry on this um, strange tradition of giving the, them all really odd names. The Americans. Yeah, because yeah. the young boy is called Jimmy Sparks and he lives with his uncle who's called Dr. Bob Brilliant. <laughs> That's so, so lazy, that name. <laughs> Dr. And his Bob son, Brilliant. And his son, Button, pops up every now and again. And the police uh, chief is called Police Chief Blooper. Then there's a, a spy called Dick Strong. Good. Uh Jimmy Sparks' voice is an actress called Billy Lou Watt, which carries on this kind of Bart Simpson tradition. For women uh, the, voicing male characters. Yeah, boys. Boys, yeah. And then there's a mind you, the the um she she does sound like she's on Capstan full strength, filterless, sixty a day. She's got a bit of a rough voice. <laughs> yeah, she does. Inspector, I'm not so sure that it's a joke. We've been getting reports of mysterious plane crashes the last few weeks or so from other countries all over the world. It's the first giant robot ever to appear, by the way. It's the first giant robot on TV. So it is the mecca that starts them all. So 1956 is where Tetsujin 28-Go first appears in a manga written and illustrated by Mitsutaro Yokoyama. And in 1963, that anime goes on to appear as the first giant robot on TV. And this year, Tetsujin 28 Go is 60 years old. In, 19, in an interview in 2013, Guillermo del Toro cited Tetsujin 28 Go as an inspiration for Pacific Rim. And then it really started the ball rolling in 1967 to 68. Johnny Soko and his giant robot. 
which laid the groundwork for Kaiju versus Giant Robots. This was also on TV. 1972, in Mazinga Z, Giant Robots become a staple of the genre rather than operating remotely. They have cockpits in their heads and they're operated by either humans or they have their own agency. 78, 79, this is a really interesting one. Marvel signed a deal with Japanese production company Toei, Invasion of the Neptune Men, mm. uh, and the wild show Spider-Man was born. It's Spider-Man, it's a Japanese version, bears little resemblance to Spider-Man apart from the outfit. So with Spider-Man came his trusty sidekick, robot spaceship, Lepidon. And carrying on the tradition, the villain, one of the villains is called Professor Monster. <laughs> Brilliant. And then in 1979, on the back of that, because it was so successful, they did Gundam. And these were the giant armor suits that came in uh, with independent giant robots that were not remotely controlled by uh, units, but they, they had their own agency. And then, of course, 1982 Transformers fan- franchise was born uh, alongside the Voltron. 1999, you got Iron Giant. And right to this modern day, you've got Neon Genesis, Evangelon, and Darling of the Franks, just to mention a few. Uh, hang on a sec. You're doing your email. <laughs> email, yeah. No, just just checking when um, Ted Hughes' Iron Man, and the book was published in 1968. Oh. So that was... So, I mean, I mean is, it, is it possible that... British poet laureate Ted Hughes was inspired by Tetsujin 28 Go. No, I don't think so. Do you? I mean, I think that for me, the Iron Giant Ted Hughes' book feels more like he's reaching for Gogmagog, the British yeah, giant. It, it, the it British is. Giants. It's much more seeped in sort of ancient folklore. Yeah. Than no, nothing like these. No, these are... 1960s <laughs> Japanese cartoons. But you can never tell with Ted Hughes, can you? No, you can't. He'll bowl <laughs> you a googly any time. So, oh. so that's really interesting. That that in 1983, did you say Transformers started? 82. That 82. So that's 20, 20, it's less than 20 years after after this Gigantor series. Yeah. Um, oh, it, and and Tetsu, Tetsujin 28 Good carried on. Mm. Uh, there was some 80s series. The the suit slightly changed, and it started to look like a suit of armour. But it was essentially the same. Yeah, so so Tetsuchin 28 has had, it like Astro Boy, has like yeah. been reinvented generation after generation, isn't it? Yeah, and it was, in Japan, it was immensely popular. Yeah. I can understand why it was immensely popular. I just, I mean, the beginnings of it in here in these shows, though, is so humble. You've got to take your mind back to the late fifties and and early sixties and think, well, TV was fairly new, mm. and you sit down and you watch this and you're seeing something the likes of which you've never seen before. All your toys were nothing like this. Yeah, I was thinking back to, and I I know it's probably different in terms of budget, but I was thinking back to. The 1940s, when Superman cartoon started. The budget was huge. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. it looks amazing, doesn't it? But what, yeah. what I mean is that if, if something like that is out there, uh, or has been out there for 20-odd years by the time that, that Tetsuchin 28 Go comes out, then it just feels so, it feels so flat. 
in Gigantor, there were some jokes that made me laugh. And actually, in Tetsuchi in 28, there were some jokes that made me laugh. There's a bit in, in the episode I watched where the the villain, this guy is obsessed with rules. And so his henchman, one of his henchmen loses a badge that he's got. And he says, what is the, what is the, the rule about badges? <laughs> the henchman's <laughs> like, I, I don't know, I can't remember. And so Uga Blob says, by not remembering, you have broken another of my rules. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. And there were some nice, nice touches. So maybe, maybe the animation matches that sort of sense of humour, possibly. I think we've got modern, tired brains. We have, haven't we? Just, yeah, we have. I think we can't really see, see beyond our incredibly sophisticated worlds we live in. That we grow so very tired of so very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it was a real struggle. It wasn't I'd actually Gigantor. I I didn't mind watching that. I have to say that was okay, but Tetsuchi in Twenty Eight Go was a real struggle to get through. Did you ever wonder why they all look so Western? Yeah, I was wondering that. It started a big a discussion on on the the internet around about twenty twelve. The only thing that I could find without going down a rabbit hole yeah. that would get me cancelled was that um, <laughs> they weren't specifically going for anything Western. It's just that if there are no stereotype markings of themselves, then white is assumed. Well, that is very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so we just assume they're Western. I'll put all of the, all of that information, I'll stick in the show notes for people to have a look at themselves. Make their own minds up about things. Goodness yes. sake, we can't spoon feed people, can we? No, we cannot. I mean, my God. No, one thing I was going to say, I was going to say I haven't got anything else to say about it, but I do have something to say about it. Go on. Which is the artist who created the manga for Tetsuchi in 28 Go, Mitsuteru Yokoyama. There's some information I saw about him, which was that the show was influenced by his wartime experiences particularly in Yokoyama's case through the bombing of Kobe in World War II. Oh, okay. So he, he wrote in a magazine in 1995, he wrote, when I was a fifth grader, the war ended and I returned home from Totori Prefecture, where I'd been evacuated. The city of Kobe had been totally flattened, reduced to ashes. People said it was because of the B-29 bombers. As a child, I was astonished by their terrifying destructive power. And apparently another influence on Tetsuchin's creation were the Vergültungswaffen, which were a set of wonder weapons designed for long-range strategic bombing during World War II. And the idea that Nazi Germany possessed um, a sort of like an, an ace to, to reverse its waning fortunes. Well, that was going um, to be the atom bomb, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the, the other thing that inspired uh, Yakayoma... Uh, to create um, Tetsuchi in 28 Go was the 1931 film Frankenstein, which shapes well, Yokoyama's belief that the monster itself is neither good nor evil. He, he is portrayed in the very first episode. The robot is um, strapped up and releases itself from its shackles. Yeah. And the power from the base, because there's, a, there's, a, there's an antenna that comes out of the ground which collects uh, electricity. So, yeah, that fits in perfectly. Yeah. So, I find it quite interesting that the Japanese are quite willing to, to 
look at their history and, and, and put it into their popular culture, whereas the Americans don't. No, not at all, do they? No. Because uh, in the cartoon, it's mentioned that the Japanese surrendered before they could complete it, the construction of Tetsujin 28. Um, well, the only thing they didn't construct was the was the remote control panel. Mm. But uh, yeah, and they're quite up open about it. It's out there. Whereas the Americans sort of really sort of shy away from from their failures and and rewrite history through movies. Yeah. One other thing, sorry, before we talk about the robot, that was interesting in in, in the the dubbed version of tw- of Tetsuchin Twenty Eight Go that I saw, episode two I watched, was the fact that, that someone says shit, whoa, and someone says uh, describes something as as what a pain in the ass. <laughs> Seems strange. I can't imagine them saying that in American TV. No. <laughs> <laughs> a bit, a bit near the knuckle, isn't it? <laughs> so, what did what did we think of um, the robot in Tetsuchi and Twenty Eight Go and Gigantor? Who's the same robot essentially? Is it? It's exactly the same robot. Um, it doesn't. Have, he doesn't have agency. He's controlled. It's, it's very much like um, Tobo. Yeah, it's like a, a lot kid. of those thirties robots, isn't it? From yeah, it's a kid with a with a remote control box. Yeah, and he's controlled. But he is the beginning. Of the giant robots on TV. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He is. Growl into the city streets. Growl into the night highway. Ba 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 go the bullets. Boo 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 boom the explosions. Is this Ted Hughes? <laughs> it's that sounding, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's the it's the translation <laughs> of the uh, Tetsujin Twenty Eight Go. <laughs> titles yes i noticed that <laughs> which and they also called him iron man i thought they did that. and they, I don't know if they, wasn't that a reason why they had to change the name oh was it because Tetsujo means iron man right so um what what rating should we give tetsuchi in 28 three <laughs> yeah i think that's more than more than generous <laughs> i mean he doesn't he just doesn't do anything. I mean, he. Do, I mean, obviously, he does. He battles, battles things left, right, and centre. But it's. Um, he does tend to go off on his own a bit, doesn't he? He does. I thought that as well. He doesn't wait yeah. for instructions. No, and he loves throwing things. <laughs> yes, he just picks things up and throws them. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's. It feels like a real step backwards in terms of the robots that we've seen. It was. Yeah, it was very poor. I thought. Very poor, but as you say, it, it was the beginning of something, and it uh, sparked and this huge industry of gigantic robots. And they built a gigantic robot. We featured it on this podcast before. It was a giant Gundam. And actually, in in 2013, when Guillermo del Toro was over there and giving interviews, he was there and he saw it. And there's footage of him staring at it and absolutely loving it. I like the fact that he cites Tetsuchin Twenty Eight Go as yeah. as inspiration. He just must have seen it, mustn't he? Must he have did. Seen he it watched young, them all in boy. Mexico. Yeah, when he was a young boy. Right. Okay. So let's. I think we've just got to wrap this up because uh, it's gone on for far too long. <laughs> this <laughs> could be to... one of the shortest episodes ever. Great. Thanks again for listening. Do tell all your friends. Um, don't worry too much about watching Tetsuchi in 28 Go. There are there are other things that you can do with your life other than that. 
and we will see you next time for another thrilling installment of 50 Years of Shit Robots. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, come on. Call Giganter before it's too late. Hurry, Jim. Giganter, let's go.